Hello and welcome to West Tigers Podcast, episode number 42. Just Eddie Otto with you today. I'm going to review the 30 points to 18 loss to Parramatta, talk a little bit about what went wrong in that game, uh, the context of our season uh, dropping into 11th place, and just a couple of the other things that went on in the NRL on Sunday. Starting off with the game itself, it was a really depressing sort of loss. Uh, after that game against the Roosters, I was fairly upbeat about this game. Uh, being Benji's 300th, a uh, big crowd, and you know results had fallen our way the past couple of weeks where there was an opportunity to jump into equal sixth against a side that you know, on paper looked no stronger than the West Tigers side, everything to play for, well-rested, no injuries, and just a really, like I said, a depressing defeat. There, was, there were a few turning points that were crucial in the game, but just a lack of attention to detail. Uh, 13 errors to five, that was the difference in the game. And you can We can blame referees all we like and bounces the ball, but good sides account for things like that, and we're not a good enough side to, to overcome errors and silly penalties and turning points in the game. And um, now it's it could have been equal eighth, and now it's 11th. It was essentially, I don't like the saying, a four-point game, but it was a crucial game because Parramatta now two games ahead of us plus differential, beating us twice. Uh, if we had won that game, we would have been back equal with them. Now it's a long way back with just, I think, it's only eight games to play and what looks like to me a difficult draw on paper. Uh, we've got the fifth worth differential in the comp. So for me, we're sitting exactly where we deserve to be uh, in 11th, um, 12th best differential. So whilst you could say maybe we've had a couple of close losses, we've also had some dirty, scrappy sort of wins. So at the start of the year, that's sort of where I expected us to be and uh, there's effort there most weeks, and you know Maguire's got them, got them rock, them rock hard, rock hard fit. Speed, a lack of power, and uh, like I said, sometimes we win the stat count, but we don't win the game because we don't have those individual players that can get you out of a hole when you're in a hole. Some of the key turning points. Let's start off with the try count. Four tries all. So four tries all, and you get beat thirty points to eighteen. That's a that's a massive problem, and that's been a problem for a couple of years. The goal kicking, it's just not good enough. Uh, I mentioned speed and power all the time as the two things I'm looking for in a rugby league side. The third thing's probably a goal kicker because it's worth half a try. So if you're missing all your shots at goal, you're essentially scoring half a try, whereas they're, they're going up sixes, we're going up in fours. And, you know, at one point yesterday, I think it was two tries all and it was 18 points to eight. And it just, it's deflating. It's deflating when you're scoring tries in the corner. And Essan Masters wasn't just missing. He's missing goals by miles. And Moses Umbai doesn't really look like he wants to do it. He, he was a patchy goal kicker at Canterbury. So, you know, that's another big thing that we've had a couple of years to address and we've never been able to address it. And it's a problem in games like that when Mitchell Moses is nailing everything uh, from the sideline and wherever. And, and we're going up in fours in a tight, low-scoring sort of struggle. Uh, it can break your, your heart as a supporter and, and as a player. Uh, some other turning points at 4-all, Robbie Farah offloaded the ball. I thought it was a clear six-again call that went against the Tigers. Parramatta then marched down the field. I think they forced a dropout and scored off the next set. Uh, also included where Blake Ferguson may or may not have gone into touch. The uh, scrum feed was awarded to Parramatta. They scored there to make it 10-4, and then Luke Brooks kicks the ball out on the full, which is inexplicable. And they go up the field again and make it 16-4 in a game where the Tigers were getting on top. I felt like they were the better side the first 20, 25 minutes. It was a sort of set-for-set set and defensive struggle. And all of a sudden, we've given up 12 points off the back of a poor refereeing decision, but then also an inexplicable kick out on the full. 
and 16-4 back, this team's not going to be coming back from that too often. And that was just a, a bitter pill to swallow, that three or four minutes of football. And then after the break, it's 16-8. We're starting to get some momentum going. Uh, nice play down the right-hand side. We created some space there a few times. No Faluma, lovely kick back in to Thompson, who goes under the post. And you go to the video bunker, and he's two metres in front of him. Now, to me, that's not marginal. That's poor fullback play. Fullbacks these days don't, they nail those things. You've got to be a specialist. And that one thing is either being half a yard behind or in line with the kicker. Um, and that was an obvious offside that he didn't have to be offside. He would have won the race probably anyway. And instead of 16-14 and all the momentum on our side, Parramatta go up the, the end. Uh, they put a crossfield kick in. It's poorly defended, and Blake Ferguson scores a try in the corner. So, look, at the end of the day, that was another 12-point turnaround. And there were some, those things, you cannot overcome them if you're an average side. And uh, Parramatta deserved to win because they made five errors to our 13. They took their opportunities. Uh, they had five forwards run for more than 100 metres. We only had one forward run for 100 metres. And I just found it a, a totally frustrating performance from the Tigers. It was... The effort was there, but it was just all over the place and just not enough strike power, not enough composure and not enough smarts to beat what is a fairly average Parramatta side. And, and 30-18 might have flattered Parramatta, but at the end of the day, it's a damaging defeat. Because I look at the stats, you know, we made more line breaks, more tackle breaks, we had more offloads, we had more effective tackles, we missed less tackles, uh, but we had double the amount of errors, seven poor penalty count against us and only... 71 completion rate compared to 83. So that's saying to me, Parramatta didn't really win the game. We threw the game away. We deserve to lose it. And I think it's nail in the coffin time for the season. I'm looking at the draw ahead. I see Canberra away this week. I think that's going to be a um, hide behind the couch sort of game because I think Canberra's got the style of football that will really, really trouble us. They're playing physical, fast, powerful football on a cold Saturday night in Canberra. That'll be a hell of a task to get up for that. If we drop that, we're down to 7 and 10. And then we play the Knights in Newcastle. It's, that's a winnable game. But again, Newcastle's got the sort of team that often trouble us. Uh, they'll be a big crowd again. So if we drop the next two and 7-11 uh, with six to go, then it's all over Red Rover. And it's definitely time to try and move on and, and build for next season. Looking at some of the individual displays, I didn't think there were a lot of guys that stood out. I think our back line, I've talked enough about it this year. It's a really it's probably the worst backline in the competition and that's not a slight on those guys because a lot of them try hard but there's just no pace they're undersized you know we're taking the first three tackles out of our own and getting smashed Robert Jennings has been very very disappointing I think he's got to be dropped uh, yesterday three errors two handling errors gave away two penalties sluggish kick returns not seeing any positives in Robert Jennings game at the moment uh, Corey Thompson was good before the ankle injury. I think that played a role in his second half. He turned his ankle when he scored that try. But again, disappointing play in terms of the way he set himself up to be offside for that grubber. Also made a crucial error in the first half where he just tried to do too much running across field and, and throw a miracle pass and end up dropping it. Uh, every outside back for me made errors in the game. Moses Umboy, a poor tackle on the goal line where he went around the legs and Brad Takarang, he stood around for ages and then thought, oh, there's the try line. I'll put the ball over the try line. He's struggling to get involved in games. I thought David Nofaluma was the only outside back who really had a decent game. He made that one error out of dummy half, which was a lazy bit of play, but he did run 18 runs for 147 metres. Essan Masters has been a big disappointment for me this year. Not only his goal kicking, but his general play. 
very sluggish. Uh, he's just shuffling out of dummy half, not running the ball hard and straight. Just eight runs, 77 metres. So this back line's a big, big problem for Michael Maguire because I thought there were opportunities created by Benji Marshall and, and Luke Brooks where there was space and time on the outside. And there's just no no faith. There's no speed there to take advantage of a three-on-two or some space. You have to either come back in field or or you know set up for the next play and and these outside backs yesterday all made individual errors to Thompson Jennings and by Nofaluma costly errors in the game and Masters poor goal kicking uh, it all adds up and I think all those spots are up for grabs next year as far as I'm concerned I'm not saying get rid of them all but I'm saying anyone could get an outside back spot of the Tigers if they've got some pace uh, some use some height and that's another thing we lack on high balls uh, so it's just not a, a good back line at all uh, the halves, I thought Luke Brooks' kicking game was off yesterday. I'm disappointed. There was good field possession a number of times, and he seemed to put in these sort of chip bombs that weren't quite high enough. Seemed to kick to Blake Ferguson a lot. Couldn't quite understand the tactics there. Maybe they thought he'd make a couple of errors, but he's a real handful to control, uh, and he's not making errors at the moment. Benji, I thought, was fine in his 300th game. He, he tried maybe a bit too hard at times, but he, like I said, he put some guys in some space. There's just not a lot of targets. And the forward pack, you know, I thought they were outplayed by Parramatta in the game. We had uh, Alex Twal, just 44 metres. Uh, Josh Alloway, 79 metres. Chris Lawrence, 41 metres. I know we all love Chris Lawrence, but I'm, I'm a little bit surprised he sort of slotted straight back into the starting team, given he had such a time off with a horrific injury. And I don't think he's playing poorly, but you look at those stats, seven runs, 41 metres. And I don't think that's sustainable when you've, uh, you know, we only had... Well, we didn't have a starting forward run for over 100 metres in the game. And Parramatta had three and two off their bench run for 100 metres. McKayley was the only guy off the bench. I thought he was really good in his 40 minutes, 10 runs for 112 metres. Michael Cheekham only had 23 minutes, and he had nine runs for 63 metres. He's the sort of player that I think we need to put in the starting side because he's got a bit of leg speed. He's got a bit of a step on him. He's got a bit of penetration there. He can change direction, and at the moment, uh, lots falling on the half to create something where there's not much there. And uh, I thought Elijah Taylor was decent yesterday uh, off the bench. Um, Ryan Madison, probably not one of his better games, and Eisenhuth only just solid. But like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of standout performances. I, I went into this game fairly confident we could beat Parramatta, and I thought we, we shot ourselves in the foot. I think Michael Maguire, he's got he's got some headaches for next year. We've, we've spoken about it at length, so I don't want to keep repeating myself. But yesterday you had Reynolds, Packer, Madalino, McQueen all on the sidelines. And then you've got Elijah Taylor and Moses Mbai playing bit part roles. And, you know, rough figures here. Josh Reynolds might be on 800000 a year. If Russell Packer's on seven hundred, Ben Madalino's on six hundred. E.T. and McQueen might be on four or 500 maybe a bit more. Moses Mbai, eight or 900 you add that all up. That's over. That's three to three point five million of your salary cap tied up in six players that are either not playing on the outer or playing off the bench in non-key positions. So this is a mess. This salary cap at the moment, and Ivan Cleary has created this mess and left us high and dry for Michael Maguire to pick up the pieces. But you know, Madge, he probably should have seen this coming in. I was a little bit surprised. I was happy. Don't get me wrong. Very happy he took the West Tigers gig, but. I didn't like the shape of the roster and the short-term signings last year. And whilst we've been competitive again and we've been gutsy, we're not going forward with this roster at all. We are going sideways, if not a little bit backwards. And, you know, I mentioned that amount of money in players that are either ageing or struggling or in non-key positions. And then you've got a back line where there's no height and there's no real pace. 
you've got a forward pack where I think there's good depth and there's some potential there. You know, Cheekam, Liddell, McKayley, Alawai, uh, I like Twal. So I think the forward's looking a little bit better, probably lacking an enforcer, although Ryan Madison's been excellent. And the spine, we've got two 34, 35-year-olds still holding down spots in the spine. So there's so much to work on in this roster. And my point with all this is we need some leadership from Justin Pascoe, from Barry O'Farrell, from the recently appointed Warren McDonald and Adam Hardigan, who've taken over the uh, football operations side of things in the last couple of weeks. It's been very quiet this year, at least when Marina Go was there. She copped some flack, but she was always out there giving communication and out there with the fans and there seemed to be a lot more coming from the headquarters about the direction we're trying to go at the moment there's just sort of the silence michael mcguire is carrying the can for everything we don't know if there's any money to spend the next two years maybe that's why they're so quiet because there's not uh, we don't know if there's players that are on the outer with madge uh, it just seems like the club is treading water at the moment now pasco's back in the hot seat it's really time to step up and improve this football side and give the fans something to cling on to because you know, the crowds are only going to get... I know there was a big crowd yesterday at Bank West, but it was probably 60% Parramatta, and it was Benji's 300. So there were a lot of Tigers fans, to the credit yesterday. It was a good atmosphere. But fans are not going to keep coughing up the money every year to watch teams run 11th or 12th and with a side that really lacks excitement. So I don't know what they can do over the next 18 months. It might be a, a case of trying to find some local juniors and trying to bargain basement buy again, but... I'd rather not spend money and rebuild rather than just try and patch things up with journeymen and players that are desperate for a contract, as we've done seemingly over and over and over in the past, which has got us nowhere. Uh, just finally, let's talk about Bank West Stadium. I was a big fan of it. I still am. I think it's an excellent ground, and it was, it was a good atmosphere yesterday and 25000 to a, a Sydney derby. But, you know, it is not. It doesn't feel like home at the moment, and... Uh, especially yesterday, you're playing Benji's 300. Imagine playing that at Leichhardt or Cameltown. Okay, there would have been six or 7,000 less people, but there's probably six or 7,000 less Parramatta fans. There's still 18,000 Tigers fans, it'd be, and a, a raucous atmosphere where you get the hometown penalties and you win the 50-50 calls and the side's lifted. And at the moment, um, it's tough because I understand the, the balance of wanting to go to a world-class facility, wanting to have one home ground, but it's just... The club is, is lacking identity at the moment, and if you were to move it, I, I sort of jumped in and said, mate, we should go to Bank West full-time, but it would be a risky time to do it because the side's not winning. Winning sort of solves everything. We had years in 05 and 2010 where we were playing at Allianz and ANZ and all over the place, and fans will go anywhere to watch winners. But if this team's not going to be a winner for the next two years, then I don't know if you can move full-time to Bank West because we could just disappear off the map. You know, Tigers fans are not going to travel in droves to Parramatta to watch a team that's struggling. And I've been to every home game we've had there over the last month, all four games, and we're probably outnumbered by the Souths and Roosters and Parramatta fans in every game. And, you know, that can turn around when you've got a good football side and you get a vibe going, but it's certainly not happening at the moment. So it's a delicate balance. Some people, have, I've read a lot of comments on the forum, some want to go try and commit more to Campbelltown and build our own, you know, Bank West out at Campbelltown. That'd be, you know, sensational if they could do something like that in the future. Some want to go back to 6-6 six, six split, Leichhardt and uh, Campbelltown. What's wrong with that? If it's good enough for St George Illawarra to play more games back at Wynn and Cogra, if it's good enough for the Cronulla to play, you know, 11 games at Shark Park and Manly to play 10 at Brookvale, why isn't it good enough for the West Tigers to have a true home ground advantage? Is it all money-based. Uh, we don't know the figures. We obviously know it's more profitable to play at these big grounds, but 
it, it's a dicey one at the moment. I don't know where you go with it. And the main problem is the football that we're playing. It's not inspiring. The roster's not inspiring. So you're better off having maybe a home ground advantage at Leichhardt or Campbelltown rather than trying to establish yourself uh, whilst you're in this sort of state of flux. So anyway, it might seem like a bit of a negative podcast again, but I was sort of quite optimistic going to the game yesterday, looking at the ladder and looking at the potential to be up in the eight with eight rounds to go. But I thought it was a, a damaging defeat in terms of the context of the season and just the way we sort of lost that game. So uh, we, I talked already on the last podcast about what had happened on Friday and Saturday. Obviously, a couple more games on the Sunday. Surprise result in Gosford. The Cowboys getting up, beating the Roosters 15-12. Very gutsy performance from North Queensland. A young player in the halves had a, a great game there, Jake Clifford. Uh, and the other result was a dominant win for Canberra. Ominous signs for us next week. They demise the Dragons 36-10. And that was playing with ten, uh, 12 men for the final 20 minutes. They still won that final 20 minutes 12-0. They were really powerful and quite creative and Josh Hodgson's playing excellent. Bateman's playing excellent. Jack Whiten's playing really well. Their forwards have always been strong. I think uh, that's the team that could emerge to, from that axis of Roosters, Storm, South. That's the clear fourth-best team at the moment, the Canberra Raiders, who've got the style of football that could trouble some of those sides. I think they'll finish fourth, Canberra, and I think they'll be a danger in the finals. As for St. George, they're a bit of a mess at the moment, like the Tigers. They just... Uh, they've probably got a bit more talent than the Tigers, but they certainly don't have the resilience they've had in the past few years. And I saw a press conference where Mary McGregor said, well, we can bounce back and go on and win the competition. I think Mary's um, off with the fairies there at the moment. I think they'll finish closer to the wooden spoon than they will the top eight, uh, St. George Illawarra. But, uh, yeah, that's it. that's all for West Tigers podcast episode number 42. Obviously, our next game is in Canberra, so I'll be back uh, later in the week to preview that game, see if there's any news about any potential signings or, or direction the club's going in at the moment. Uh, but yeah, a disappointing loss at Bankwest Stadium, sitting in 11th place with eight rounds to go. Thanks for listening, guys.